look, I understand that, you know, it's nearly impossible to condense 600 pages plus of subtlety and information, you know, showing, not telling into 120 minutes or so, but a little bit of effort would be greatly appreciated. You're listening to XP Hunter. Welcome back, Hunters. It's your friend of me, Lee, here once again. And today we are going to be talking about literature and motion. And, you know, that sounds kind of like flighty and ethereal and everything. It's really not. It's very, very practical because today's episode is all about, um, you know, books being adopted into movies. And so one of the examples we're going to be using today is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Color Out of Space. These are two, uh, well, one's a whole series of short novels or novellas and one is just a, a novella written by two of my favorite authors they were in my you know favorite books list uh, and you know, they're probably going to stay there but um so a color a color out of space was written by hp lovecraft circa 1927 and it's a short novella and the whole premise is that um we'll say an asteroid or you know a UFO, an unidentified flying or falling object crashes in the woods near the main character's home and all sorts of shenanigans. I shouldn't say shenanigans. It's all very subtle and eerie. And if you don't know about H.P. Lovecraft, he is usually considered like the father of like horror. And what's really great about his writing is uh, while I'm not really usually a big fan of exposition, which is telling like, oh, I could see the grimace on his face versus after I told him the truth, he just he refused to talk to me. He he would always turn away from me and would never look me in the eye. You know, like that's showing because, you know, you're talking about how someone's uh, physically responds rather than saying, oh, he was mad. Um, but H.P. Lovecraft is very good at using exposition to build tension, which uh, I explained uh, a couple episodes ago, maybe like last season or the season before that is that that's what true horror is horror is not jump scaring it's not you know when someone goes into the fridge and then they close the door and then the killers on the other side of the door um having not been heard or anything like that horror is when you feel dread that it's the the hair standing up at the back of your neck and hp hp lovecraft is or was i should say rather uh was amazing at building tension through situations right so the, the color out of space uh just develops as a series of uh interactions they never actually see what came or fell out of space it emits this strange light and it starts to affect the forest around it and it kind of drives the main character crazy and so uh if you've never heard of it it's it's not a hard or long read you should just check it out if you would like to obviously you can probably find it at your local library i'm sure you, uh, you can find it in the kindle store or any other uh, digital method to read it but i would suggest that you read it because it's really good um, but that is being made into a film uh, that, well, it was made into a film. It came out uh, the end of January on January 24th, 2020. Um, I haven't seen it and I don't really know if I want to see it. And the thing about movies that are made from books is it's hard to condense a lot of the information that happens in a book into a movie. Movies are actually very, very short uh, and it's also very hard to sometimes convey exactly what the author is trying to convey. So like a lot of the things you would get out of 
reading something you're never going to get out of watching something. And that goes for comic books versus, you know, movies as well. Uh, So the thing with comic books is you say, well, there's visuals in comic books, too, but there's also words. And instead of it saying, boom, this is what it is, you kind of it allows you to. I'll say render stuff with your own mind as you read. Uh, And so that's why it's a lot easier to engage with reading because it's like, oh, you know, you can imagine it in your head and see how it's going versus um, someone giving you the vision from their head and how it's happening. It's sometimes it's hard to follow because you're like, I read this book and, you know, this is not how it happened because your impression of the the actions or the situations that happened are going to be different than how the director of the movie uh, is probably going to present it to you. And then, of course, like one of my favorite books of all time, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, which was written by Douglas Adams circa 1979. And then uh, honestly, like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is actually a collection of several novellas put together, uh, was adapted for radio and film for like years following the release of the book. So the book came out in 1979 and then there were radio plays. Uh, there were film adaptations, there were TV series. So those kind of adaptations kind of range from like 1981 to 2005. And probably there's probably more since 2005, but it's been recreated in uh, various uh, creative mediums since the book was released. And I really like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you don't know anything about it, basically it tells the story of a man from England called Arthur Dent. And he just so happens to be friends with a spaceman (laughs) who is actually his best friend uh, for Ford Perfect. And so uh, one day, you know, his house is going to be demolished because the housing or planning council uh, where he lives uh, wants to build a highway and he's against it. And they bring bulldozers. He lays in front of it. And then you find out that the Earth itself is going to be bulldozed to build an intergalactic highway. And uh, he and Ford escape just before the earth is destroyed and all the shenanigans that follow are the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy all those strange people to meet all the strange places they go uh adventures and whatnot um one of the most popular things about it that you'll probably have heard of is 42 which is the answer to life the universe and everything um and so it's it's one of the bigger like nerdy pop culture revolutions and I really really love it it's so good Douglas Adams is also a very accomplished and interesting writer he's also someone who's very heavy on exposition and very very much a teller and the thing about it is that even though he's telling you what's happening it's just some some of the stuff especially in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is just so fantastical that you still your mind is still working so hard to understand what's going on and I I love it. I love the book so much. Um, but today's conversation about that's circling around these two books is really kind of focused on how it is that like you can adapt a story to, uh, you know, and the thing is that these two books are very different. While The Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy is technically several different novellas put together into one book, Um Color Out of Space is just a novella. It, it doesn't have that many pages. It's not that long of a read. Uh, but how best to adapt or if it's a good idea to try and adapt uh, information from written to visual. Um, so me personally, I'm almost always going to be <laughs> against uh, adapting uh, books to movies because, A, when you read a book, uh, you create what, you know, 
us geeky people would call headcanon, which means that in your mind, like this is what happened, irregardless of what you read in um, the book. You're like, oh, you know, uh, I remember I was uh, right before the Jack Reacher movies came out. My grandmother was telling me about it because my grandmother is also a very avid reader. And she was telling me all about it. And she was like, Jack Reacher is a cross between Sherlock Holmes and, you know, a Navy SEAL, you know. And I was like, oh, that's cool. She's like, yeah, he broke his nose and like he he repaired it by like putting duct tape on it. Like he kept it positioned by putting duct tape on his face. And then literally like a week or two later, the trailer came out and who's playing Jack Reacher but Tom Cruise. And I was like, no, because in my mind, you know, Tom Cruise is even though he's mad old, he's he's too pretty. And he's never going to be the kind of person who puts duct tape on his nose to to keep, you know, to keep the bone in place or whatever. And, you know, my grandmother was like, yeah, in the book, he's like six one, And I'm like, oh, my God, Tom Cruise is like five three on a good day. And so for me, it's like in my head canon, even though I hadn't read the book, it was just described to me. He was the character was described to me. Everything about Jack Reacher was just wrong because Tom Cruise couldn't be Jack Reacher in my mind. And so for a lot of people, I mean, there are some people. Um, I'm thinking of a very specific YouTube channel who would say books don't matter, right? Because we're talking about the movie. And I guess in and of itself, the movie does have, uh, does deserve some credit, but not when it's already based on something, you know, it's like when you have an amazing cake and you're like, oh, I want to have that cake again. And someone presents you with this cake saying, it's just like this other cake, the best cake you ever had in your life. And you have it and you're like, it's nothing like that cake. They're like, well, I mean, it has, it's good on its own merit. It's like, but that's not what we're looking for here. If you're going to make your own type of cake, then don't compare it to the, my favorite cake ever because they can never be the same. You know, if they're not the same, they're not the same. So for me, that's why I feel like sometimes if you're going to do an adaptation don't call it the same thing <laughs> and I know I'm silly right I was like if you're gonna do base a movie on color out of space if you're not going to make the book you know what I mean then don't call it color out of space call it something else and just say oh a movie based on the work color out of space by H.P. Lovecraft rather than titling titling it exactly as the title of the book making me think I'm gonna go see an accurate representation of the story that that panned out in um, the book because a, a lot of times that's not what you're going to get and I think a lot of times that's why people are disappointed I know that several times I have been disappointed I know everyone in the back of your mind you're probably thinking about uh, Dragon Ball Evolution which in the beginning they were just calling it Dragon Ball and they had a whole website and the more people like were checking up on what was happening in it the more they realized that no this is nothing like Dragon Ball like what are you talking about like you know King Kai and like Piccolo or like the same person and it was a whole thing and they're like oh well this is an adaptation I was like don't call it Dragon Ball then this is not Dragon Ball what you're doing is picking parts that you think are cool to put together and mishmash it up and then sell it to me as something new which it's not um but I guess I'll give it a chance. Um, it will probably be on uh, Blu-ray or DVD in the coming weeks. And I guess I'll go and, oh gosh, I guess I'll, you know, spend money on it and I'll go see it uh, in my living room, in the comfort of my living room where I can be completely disgusted. No, uh, I'll, I'll watch it. Hopefully it'll be good. I mean, there are some good people in it. I mean, who doesn't love a good Nick Cage movie? He <laughs> he never seems to disappoint, but we'll see how that turns out. Um but I'm not going to lie, I did have seen the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. 
multiple times. And I do enjoy it. While I don't think it encompasses, again, like it's true to the wonkiness and silliness of the book. But I do think that it doesn't live up to the grandiose space opera that is the book. Um, you know, when you read the title of one of the novellas is like the, you know, the restaurant at the end of um, the universe. And then it's not like the edge of the universe. It's literally the end, like the universe is ending and that's where the, the restaurant is. And, you know, that's not even in the movie. They're just parts that they cut out because sometimes I guess, you know, budget restraints because it does cost a lot of money to make a movie, but you know, budget restraints or even just creative restraints. It's like, well, no one's really going to believe that. And I'm like, yeah, but this is based on a book. And, you know, and there's a lot of crazy things that happen in the movie, but nothing too crazy. There's a lot of much crazier things that happen in the 2005 movie, uh, which featured uh, Mostef and the guy from uh, from Lord of the Rings. I always forget his name whenever I go to talk about him, even though I really, really like him as an actor. XP Hunter will return right after this brief musical interlude with Confidence by Golden. Even when the sky's falling down And you got nobody else around no, it's hard, but it's easier than the sound All you gotta do is get yourself up off the ground You got to get up, just keep your head up yeah. Got to get up and get yourself up off the ground You got to get up, gotta get up. just keep your head up yeah. Got to get up and Get yourself up off the ground When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired When you don't cry at your last year yesterday No more sitting around at home in your own misery You just gotta go and pick yourself up off the ground You got to get up, get up Just keep your head up, Yourself up off the ground. Got to get up. Got to get up. up Got to get up. Get yourself up. the big fallbacks uh, of that is that headcanon. I mean, I'm always going to believe what I, <laughs> you know, I'm, I trust myself more than I trust any, anyone from Hollywood to create an image from the words or thoughts that have been presented to me. So I'm never going to take, you know, I can never suspend my disbelief enough to like a movie that someone else has made. Um, and, you know, I thought of this topic because I was listening to the previous podcast and episodes 
and I was listening to the NaNoWriMo podcast and I was listening to myself just brag about how I was going to finish those 50,000 words and I was going to try so hard and it just didn't follow through. Like I didn't, uh, unfortunately, I was not able to complete my 50,000 words. And when I was thinking about it, you know, being a writer or even just outlining stuff for the podcast, I'm just like, oh, like, what am I going to do? Oh, you know, writing is something I've been doing since I was a kid. And so it got me thinking about the works of writers and how more and more frequently we're trying to make um, ideas and thoughts that we put down on paper. Somehow it seems like it's not as tangible to people anymore as movies are or visual media. And that, that really struck me because I think that the written word is one of the highest accomplishments that humanity has ever made. I mean, until the day that like, we can travel through our own solar system and you know i guess what carl sagan would call be what is it like a t3 like a tier three society which is to be able to harness the energy from your own sun um 100 efficiently then i feel like you know we're not masters of the universe we're really just sad little mammals scrounging you know picking at the dirt for scraps you know and a lot of people say that i'm sure people feel like that's kind of extreme but i'm like what have we really done? Like, where are we going? What's our purpose? We have no purpose. We're kind of just aimlessly wandering around. And sometimes we just find these grandiose things that we want to do. We want to colonize Mars. How are we going to colonize Mars? We don't have, we haven't even mastered uh, fission yet. And if you don't know, fission is the efficient version of nuclear fusion. We have, uh, I said that opposite, sorry. Uh, the difference between fission and fusion is that fission is what we use now. That's nuclear power. So you split atoms and you get um, radioactive leftovers. It creates a massive amount of power, but it's very unsustainable, especially because there's nowhere to send the uh, leftover nuclear radioactive matter. Whereas fusion is what our sun does. And the sun is perpetual, perpetually self-replenishing uh, machine. Obviously, the returns are... Um, lessened every time you do it but with the size of the sun the sun's gonna last for at least another billion years so the thing is we haven't mastered fusion there's no real way for us to travel any uh, you know appropriate amount of distance in the short amount of time that our life you know will last also our bodies aren't made for it we're terrestrial beings so we are used to having gravity we're used to having um uh, air and while a lot of people think you know air is just oxygen air is not just oxygen it's oxygen with uh, traces of nitrogen and um, other um, trace elements that are intrinsic to earth and so the thing about it is that we're used to drinking breathing that kind of air versus uh, air that we might have to supplement other uh, other elements in it because it's not really you can't it's not readily available in space because there's also weight limits on how we can bring stuff into space. So until we get to the point where it's feasible for, you know, work crews to assemble a giant spacecraft in space entirely, entirely having the crews live up there for long periods of time and not have their their bone density or uh, their lung capacity or any, or any of that stuff deteriorate, then like we haven't really gone anywhere. So for me personally, I I don't know. I just think that for me personally, I, I feel a, instead of going forward, I feel like we're kind of taking steps back uh, and we're falling into what I would call a, a progression trap. Right. So 
right now it's all about, you know, STEM. It's like, oh, you know, we need to become more tech savvy. We need to do this. We need to automate that. And I'm like, okay, so you're saying that because the technology is there or the idea is there, we should follow through on it. Okay, cool. But what about the ill effects? How is this going to make us better? Make us better? Like uh, the Industrial Revolution was, you know, a godsend. It really changed the face of the world all over the world. And it was great. But some of the stuff made life too easy, right? So it kind of, I guess it's kind of like being poor and you have to wash your own dishes and sweep your own floors and then you get money and then you hire a servant and then you lose the skill or the ability to to support yourself, which I'm like, how is that useful to anyone or anything? Now you've, you've lost a skill that is highly important. Uh, and I think we take those things for granted. Even I, I, when I was when I first started playing with uh, video game clans, because I had never been in, I had always, you know, I'm the only child. I've only ever played video games by myself for a long time. Uh, and then I played, started playing Destiny and they were like, join a clan and it will, you know, you can, it's helpful and you'll always have something to play with, blah, blah, blah. And like I was telling them, oh, like oh, earlier today I was sewing. And obviously most of my clan was made up of guys because ugh, that's how video games are. Um, but they were like, oh, you're like the womanest woman I know. And I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, who sews? And I'm like, sewing is a great life skill to have. Uh, and, you know, the idea that like sewing made me very like overtly feminine. I'm like, no, it's a life skill. I enjoy doing it. I mean, if I was a dude, I could also like sewing. That doesn't make me the womanist man, you know, you know, so it's like it's a skill. And instead of seeing uh, the value in kind of what what we've accomplished before, um, I just feel like we're losing parts of ourselves. And I know that kind of, that kind of got deep. Like I went on a crazy tangent, right? Like we're talking about adapting uh, literature or books into movies. Um, but to me, like they're all kind of tangentially connected to each other because I mean, there's also an element of, you know, laziness on behalf of, you know, you know, big production companies, right? Because it's like, oh, well we need eyeballs and we need to, you know, make billions of dollars let's make a movie okay we don't here's this original script it's pretty creative there's a lot of like sci-fi horror things going on in it oh no let's just make a new jason people love jason let's do that again and it's really frustrating because uh, i said this at the end of what i think the last episode episode before and the thing is that people think that like oh it's so hard i mean yeah it's hard to write a script but the thing is that there, a lot of people are under the pressure that there's no, there are no new ideas out there. And while I will say there's no new subject matter, right? I mean, I remember being in high school and we're reading Shakespeare and so many people are like, oh, I'm so moved. Or they're just like, oh, the Bard is one of the greatest writers ever. And I'm like, he's not writing about anything that we haven't heard about before. You know, love, betrayal, moral ambiguity, uh, you know, religious fervor. You know, he's he's writing about, you know, things that we've heard about a million times before you know we could read Beowulf and get these same you know these same tropes out of it right so while I will say there's no new subject matter I will say that there are original stories and original takes on the the subject matter and so there are lots of unique views and hundreds thousands of scripts are written every year and it's just that the inability of I, I will say big business, but also on the, the people who support big business, right? Like me, you, we go to empty theaters, uh, you know, we watch Paramount movies, you know, stuff like that. The thing is, is that the more you buy into what they're feeding you is the more they feed you that, right? So they're like, well, people, 
you know, they don't really want to see, you know, uh, movies about love right now. They want to see war movies, right? I don't know who ever really wants to see a war movie, but they're like, yeah, like nostalgia. Like, I remember um, there was a movie about this oil rig. Um, there was a disaster and, you know, the, the oil was spilling into the ocean and there was a thought that it was going to explode and all this stuff. And I'm like, why did they make a movie out of this? Who wants to watch this? You know, and it's not like a make-believe disaster movie, like um, The Day After Tomorrow or anything like that. It's It, it like happened to people. It's like, why do I want to watch someone's final hours? Like, that's so morbid. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, why do they think people want to see this? Or, you know, it's just, it's very, very strange, the interplay between you know, a business, which is technically there to fulfill, supply a demand, right? Versus what people like actually want. You know, it's like, I don't know. I'm confounded because I'm like, I don't want to see, you know, a Nicholas Sparks movie, but there is a large market for Nicholas Sparks. I know that, but I'm like, I don't want to see another Nicholas Sparks S movie. I'm just, no, that's not who I am. I don't like chick flicks. Or if you're like, you know, I don't want to see, color out of space as a movie because it's just gonna ruin it as like they, you just couldn't do it justice especially because a lot of the people who are the director or uh, the producer or anyone who's in charge of creative decisions for the movie uh, very seldom have they like fully in, like internalized the the source material right it's not like they sat down and read it they probably have like a, a better version of like a Sparks Notes, you know, broken down version of what it is that they're making. And so you can tell when you see the stuff that they make from it, whether or not visually it looks good, whether or not the casting is good. The thing is like, is this story, is the essence of this story what the book was? And almost always it's no. And to an extent, yeah, I get that, you know, they're trying to create a separate work based on the story but I'm like you're trying to tell that core story and if when I see this movie I don't see the core story in it then your movie's failed as far as I'm concerned that's harsh I know guys I'm sorry but that's just how I feel but thanks for listening oh that just went by so fast I know I had that big tangent in the middle but that's why you love me those are the best conversations that go on tangents. Remember, if you want to participate, join Fire Team with me, co-op or whatever, you can always send me a message at xbhunterlee at gmail.com. You can join the Discord server, XB Hunters Guild, or you can uh, check out the YouTube for uh, some new episodes of XB Hunter IRL or uh, Create Make Plus, which I'm working on right now. And I can't wait to hear from you guys. Uh, just let, if you want to let me know what you guys are thinking about uh, this episode or any other episode, hit me up whenever you'd like. But in the meantime, in between time, guys, don't forget to gain XP, level up, and be more. Because here at XP Hunter, we do it for the XP.